Welcome back to another Youth Senate podcast. Um, this is hopefully going to be the last one I'm going to be doing just by myself. We have been uh, working with our high-tech uh, technology folks, and it looks like we're going to be set up as soon as next week that we'll be doing uh, a podcast um, through Zoom, uh, which we'll be able to bring our guests back on. And uh, it's not great. Tested it out a few times. Um, it's not absolutely like having the guest right in front of you, but um, it, it'll do, uh, and we'll we'll debut that next week. We've got a couple of potential guests we want to bring on, in light of everything that's going on right now. Um, and we'll look, we're going to be the first one we'd like to do is is probably a little bit on some mental health stuff on how um, kids can cope during this period. You've been seeing a lot of great stuff on social media that a number of us in the community are putting out. Um, but I think we're going to try to talk to two people that will just give us a little insight for parents and for kids to, you know, things to how to cope, I guess, during this uh, obviously unprecedented time. But today we're going to um, we're going to have a podcast on YC memories. Um, the bas the ba the basketball podcast we did last week was uh, amazing in terms of the response we got. I got a tremendous amount of questions, as you know, and uh, the podcast was very well received. And we in turn received a lot of feedback from kids. And uh, man, I heard from some people that I haven't heard from in years and years and years. Um, the summer fun legend David Brown even reached out to me about his uh, his exploits on the basketball. So um, what we're going to try to do this week is to kind of we, we ask people to send us some memories from the YC and we actually got a good amount and uh, they span pretty much from the beginning up until now. So uh, we're going to actually talk about some of the the programs that uh, these memories uh, that people submitted brought back um, to, a, to a different time here. So um, and again we'll finish up with some of our last people in the last couple of years who had some great memories. So uh, the first memory we got uh, Ricky Melanson actually well, that was a name from the past. Um, he actually sent me a, um, a, a memory about our Scared Straight program we used to have on Saturdays. Um, and this was a program that was built out of our Second Chance Community Diversion program. So kids who were sent to us uh, for an average of around 30 hours of community service. Um, these people had maybe been arrested for shoplifting or some minor infractions. Um, obviously, we didn't have any heavy-duty, uh, you know, felons or anything in the program. But these were young kids that um, was their first um, dealing with the law and the police department, and uh, they were usually sent to. Um, us for 30 hours as I said and then as a component of that was also we referred out most of these kids to do some kind of counseling with an area therapist and that was actually the reason why we started our annual thing we've done right now is, is sending out to the community a network of all of our therapists, psychologists, social workers, um, letting people know all the different area uh, professionals that can help with that. And then the second piece of that was they all had to complete a, a one-day Scared Straight program. And for people who don't remember the Scared Straight program per se, it was a nationally recognized program back in the 80s, um, which I don't see as happening as much as it, it used to did. But for us, um, we, we actually did two different places. When I first started here, um, we actually did the, um, the Lawrence Jail, which was located, right now it is the 
practice football field for Central Catholic in Lawrence. So if you go to Central Catholic and you see that, that beautiful field on the other side of their building, that's actually where the Lawrence jail was. And this was a jail that was hundreds of years old. It was, it was really, really in tough condition, and it uh, closed down, I think, in the early 90s or so. And then the second place after that closed down, we actually worked with Middle, Middleton House of Correction um, in the Middleton Jail. And that was pretty amazing because that was a high-tech brand new jail um, and that had its own different feel to it but um, as I said Ricky Melanson sends me a memory and he says in 1999 uh, I remember going in the, an old powdered blue van uh, that took us from the Drummond Park uh, to the Lawrence Jail and he said I, you know I was kind of a tough guy I got uh, got arrested for shoplifting uh, and then I had to do this program with you, which was pretty cool. And uh, then I had to do the skid straight. And uh, he basically talks about walking into the jail and all the, the tough guys that were there that kind of talked to the kids. Uh, but he said the biggest thing that shook me up was I was actually locked in a jail cell. Um, and it was that minute that it changed the way I looked at life. And uh, I'm happy to know, Rick, that I did not ever get arrested again. So, hey, thanks, Ricky, for sending that out there. And uh, glad you never got arrested after that. And I think that program had a really good effect on a lot of people. Um, and it is a program that even to this day, parents have asked me, um, you know, do we have it anymore? And, and we don't, but maybe it is something that we can kind of revisit on that. So uh, the second one was uh, John McVeigh, who's becoming one of my biggest supporters on this podcast. He had a, a really uh, good um, input to that basketball podcast, but he wanted to talk about a program called Safe Rides, of which he was part of. And for people who don't know, this was an and a cutting-edge program when we first started uh, in the late 80s and the early 90s. We did it for a few years. And basically what the Safe Rides programs, you got to remember, this was before Uber. This was before, um, you know, cell phones. And uh, we had a group of kids, all high school kids, usually juniors and seniors, that signed a contract and that they were not going to drink um, and that they were going to volunteer their time um, to work on Saturday nights and Friday, Friday nights and Saturday nights at the youth center. And we were staffed from basically um, eight o'clock until about 1230. And um, there was uh, probably three or four on a night um, and they would be in the old youth center, second floor of the thrift shop. That was where our building was. And um, we had these business cards made up and they uh, would tell kids if you were in an unsafe situation or you were at a party and someone you were with was drinking whatever you could call um, the ride and uh, someone would come and pick you up no questions asked um, and then we would safely get you home it also had um, a, a part of it that was also not just in regards to alcohol um, I do know we had two really really good phone calls um, of girls that were out with some kids and they got themselves in a situation where they felt unsafe with a couple other kids and they usually they called there was two these two instances of this and um, our crew came out and uh, and got them and, um, and and got them home safely so that was probably two of the most successful um, we did have a, f a few kids who did use it as a taxi service uh, we won't let anyone know who those people were but um, this was in we worked in conjunction with the police department again you got to remember this is close to 
you know, 28, 30 years ago, um, and things were a lot different. Um, with liability and things like that, the program died uh, pretty quick in the, in, after about two or three years. Um, but people that worked on that, uh, including John McVeigh, um, have great memories of that Safe Rides program. Um, they had Safe Rides sweatshirts. We, we actually did it up really good. And uh, I remember the first cell phone we actually had was, kids today wouldn't understand it, it was like this huge box of one... Um, one phone and it was you had to carry it in the car with you and uh we also had a very good we had walkie-talkies we could also contact with the police department if any situation got out of hand and you know for that time and that age it was a great program i don't believe you could run a program like this necessarily now um but um but great memory. So let's, let's see what John McVeigh has to say about this. So he sent me another email. Hey, I won't email you nearly as long as this uh, as last week, but I saw you were doing a podcast on the YC and had to give Safe Rides a shout out. I did it all through high school. We had those white business cards that we gave out to all the high school kids in town, and we would sit up in the YC office above the thrift shop on Saturday nights and Friday nights. I remember when I first started that I doubted anyone would use it, but we actually got a lot of calls. I think kids liked it because there was no judgment and it was confidential and safe and run by other kids. It was a time before cell phones and Uber and options were pretty limited uh, if you got stuck at a party and there was no one sober to give you a ride home. The only time I was mad about getting a call was in the middle of the Duke-Kentucky game in 1992. I was watching on TV on the old couch and had to leave to pick someone up. Thankfully, the game went to OT. I got back to all of the overtime and the incredible ending, though I was actually rooting for the underdog Kentucky team at that time. Anyway, I did safe rides for a couple of years, made some good friends that did, it, that did it to me that I might not have met otherwise, and helped some kids be a little safer along the way. It was a really cool program. Hey, John McVeigh, thanks for uh, sending on that, and that was a really good program that we did have, um, and uh, it's obviously part of the history of the youth center. We also had a, a, a teen line at that time, too, right after Safe Rides pretty much um, dissolved. Um, we did have a teen Samaritans line that we actually worked with the local chapter of the Samaritans, um, and we actually had the same, kind of the same thing. We had it staffed at the thrift shop building, and kids um, would call up uh, if they needed someone to talk to. Um, obviously, if there was even a suicide attempt, uh, we were trained by the Samaritans. Uh, and it was another really good leadership program. And uh, I remember the teen line after John brought up the, the safe rides. So another one was um, Rachel Parsons. You all know Rachel Parsons. Her kids come to the youth center now. Rachel, back in the day, was really... Um, she was really involved with us with our youth council. Um, so this is her memory. She said, hey, Rick, I saw your request for YC memories. I have many, but one of my favorite was shopping for Christmas gifts for our local youth. If I remember, remember correctly, it was during the 1990-92 time frame when the youth council would ride a school bus over to the Danvers Toys R Us. We were each given several names list to shop for. I have faint memories of packing the bus with all the gifts we purchased to return to the YC to wrap up. My mem I'm pretty sure we also held a party with Santa for some kids with food and games, or, or I made that part up. My memory is a little fuzzy on that detail. It's amazing to see what this annual give back to our community has become after all these years. Thank you for growing the tradition and keeping it alive. Looking forward to hearing the memories you receive from all over the years. Uh, this is this was this was early on. Rachel has a great memory. Um, remember, in 1989, we started 
doing a Christmas drive, a holiday Christmas drive, where we um, looked at a number of different uh, families and towns that we needed to help. And in the early years, um, that's exactly what we did. Um, ABC Bus at the time actually gave us a yellow bus and a driver, and we would go down to that Danvers Toys R Us. I don't even know if that's still there. Um, and we would have a list of presents we were buying for kids. Um, and obviously that program has evolved. And if you want to hear a lot about our Christmas program, uh, we have a past podcast with our present Christmas queen, Molly Malandrino, who will actually talk about the history of the program and how much it grew. And Rachel, you were in on that early. Um, and obviously you've now seen it from a high school kid to you're also a sponsor now as, as an adult raising your own family. And it's, it's pretty amazing how it grew. In the early years, you were right. There was also a children's Christmas party that went along with it. And we actually had it over at St. Francis um, facility over at Andover. And then we actually had it in the old Red Barn a few times, too, where um, it was a lot of the kids um, from the veterans housing area, which we actually had a Christmas party. And one of our youth council kids would dress up as Santa. And uh, it, was a, it was a great time. We did that for many, many years. So, Rachel, thank you for uh, bringing back that memory. It's uh, pretty amazing to see the growth of that program. And um, I love the fact that you remember being part of that whole thing. Um, got a number of uh, responses from people about uh, our summer league basketball, and we are going to do a part two on that um, at some point in time as a roundtable. Um, we have finalized who the group's going to be. It'll be uh, Kyle Pivas, who was our longtime scorer, Teddy Sharenda, who was our longest um, staff member, John McVeigh, uh, who was our first uh, director of basketball ops, uh, the storyteller Aaron Allen is going to be joining us. And then from the later years, uh, Steve Boudreau is going to be joining us. So that's going to be kind of the round table on that. But I got after that um, podcast, I received an additional 15 emails from people that I hadn't really heard from in the longest time. Um, just some really amazing stuff. Um, and uh, one of them was Marin Allen. His memory, I, I probably don't reach out enough to, Rick. You, uh, you do a lot of wonderful things for the youth in this town. You're also a big part of my youth. I appreciate all you do for North Andover. That Summer League podcast brought back a lot of great memories I had during that time. Uh, Brendan Salak just texted me saying, just listen to the podcast. I actually won five titles in a row, first five years of the league on three different teams. And he, uh, he described... Um, uh, he described Brendan Salak as uh, pretty egotistical, um, all bragging. But he says the relationships and the characters were priceless. Great job. A lot going on right now. I need to run. But uh, I'll check back with some other stories and, and of some of the memories. And, again, thank you for all of those people that gave us some big-time shout-outs for the basketball. Again, as I said last week, I, I never knew uh, how much of an impact it had long time. I know it was fun. I know it was something the kids really enjoyed. But... The amazing amount of uh, memories we got um, was incredible. Uh, a lot of people actually chimed in about our teen code dances. And uh, I think I mentioned in that mailbag podcast. So Teen Co, T-E-N-C-O, was a program started by myself and uh, the late um, uh, Bruce, uh, who actually was an amazing father um, to so many, um, not only just his own daughters, um, Bruce Butterfield, but also to so many other kids in the neighborhood. And he came to an idea with me like, there's not a lot going on in town. What can we do to maybe um, do some dances? And um, I hadn't really run dances. This is when I first came here. But I looked at it as an opportunity to 
you know, offer kids something to do on the Friday and Saturday nights. Um, and they grew. I mean, we, at one point in time, I think our first dance had 100 kids the first time we ever did it. And then in our heyday, like I said in that podcast, we averaged close to 500 kids at a dance. And uh, the big place we had, we started out at the Atkinson School. I don't know if people quite remember that, but uh, the major place we did it before 2000 in the youth center being built was the middle school cafeteria. Um, and we, uh, we used to have parent volunteers, uh, but the big-time volunteers were uh, Big Joe Walsh um, and uh, Vinnie Valentino. A lot of people know Vinnie Valentino was the equipment manager for all the sports teams at the high school. Um, and Dookie, who's a custodian down at the uh, uh, middle school, he was very involved. And then we used to have a, um, a large group of parents that would actually um, – um, chaperone the dances for us uh, and at one point in time it was getting really tough to get parents that wanted to volunteer because they their kids didn't want them to volunteer or whatever so we ended up getting uh, college kids it started with Merrimack college kids and then a lot of the high school and college kids that uh, were working for us ended up actually being the chaperones for us and uh, you know the dances usually started at you know 7 or 7 30 they went to 10 or 10 30 um, originally they were all three grades together uh, and then we had to go because it got so big we had to go separate grades sixth grades had their own dances uh, we didn't think they were quite quite ready to be with all the seventh and eighth graders and then the seventh and eighth graders would have um, their own and uh, you know you basically you know at that point I think you were paying three dollars or four dollars to go to the dance and um, we had rainbow music um, was the DJ which we're going to talk a little bit about him and uh, and then you you could buy um, you had some free soda that we had with it it was just really great time and you know the custodians from the middle school was great those those dances were not run by the middle school, but we had them at the middle school. And uh, Kyle Pibus sent us a, um, uh, an email for his memory. Uh, where do I start when talking about the longest job I've ever had? The YC was built the summer of my seventh grade. Summer, I believe, when it was built, it was a dependable outlet for middle school kids to have some interaction with others that may not have been possible without the YC. Yes, there was the teen code dances, which were well represented, but kids of North Andover needed more of a daily out where, outlet where they could do what they have to do with when their parents would be coming home from work, whether it was the arcade room at the old youth center or shooting hoops in the gym or playing wiffle ball outside. There was always an outlet uh, for me to let go. I had tremendous relationships with the staff, um, starting with the man that got it done, Rick Gorman, you know how to find a staff of men and women who for kids who would idolize and make so many middle school kids confide in whatever is bothering them for that day. He gives a big shout out to Kristen Hardacre, to Jay Schaefer, uh, Jen Conway, Danielle Utano, Michelle Grasso, Michaela, and Demi, um, and to be part of that YC staff. Uh, with the dances, he, uh, he attended them all, and when in high school, he chaperoned them and, and actually was the staff. Um, it brought a interaction that most towns just didn't have at that time um, and is he was he was basically saying he's a generally shy guy um, that actually had taught him to be confident to actually go up to a girl and ask him for a, to dance a slow dance and if people remember we always limited the slow dances it was only like three or four each dance it in some cases got people out of their shell and comfort zone and instilled some confidence uh, I could write a book of the memories of the YC and especially the Teen Co dances. So, Kyle, thanks for uh, uh, sending that in about the um, the Teen Co dances. Uh, then we heard from um, we heard from Joan, and I, I, 
I don't recognize the name, so um, I'm thinking maybe uh, she's married now, but uh, Joan Moynihan, um, and she uh, talked about, you need to talk about the barn concerts at the old Red Barn. And for people that don't know, uh, we used to have on Saturday nights, uh, we used to have, so the dances were kind of like Friday nights, and on Saturday nights we'd have barn concerts. And this was, you know, late 80s, early 90s, uh, big hair bands, um, and it was heavy metal, a lot of Metallica, uh, Aerosmith. And I don't think people know, in the old red barn, we used to show people a picture that Bill McAvoy had given to me. 1968, the Aerosmith played at the old red barn. And that's a, that's a real story uh, and we have a picture to prove it um, so from there we actually had these concerts usually two Saturdays a month um, and they were at we had a little stage in the old red barn and uh, kids would come and you know be honest with you some of the bands were really good and, and some of the bands were really not so good um, and we had a, a security force unlike any other as one guy said to me, you had the largest adult chaperone. So it was three guys in particular. Uh, first was a guy we talk a lot about on this, Joe Walsh uh, from the Housing Authority. He was one of the chaperones. The second one was Buddy Sayre, uh, who was the DPW director at the time, and his son was in a band. And uh, just for you know, the Sayre Recycling Plant is named after Buddy. And then the third one was Kenny Crouch, um, Carrie Crouch's husband. Uh, Carrie was one of the people that hired me. Uh, Kenny was there, a very large man himself, and uh, there was nobody who would mess uh, with that security. That, that security was a tough security. And uh, those, uh, those concerts actually went on for about eight or nine years. And then uh, got a, the problem was, was mosh pits. Um, so as we got into the mid and towards the end of the 90s, um, you know, moshing became a problem at the dances, and there was some issues that we had to decide whether we wanted to keep doing this. Um, it was so popular, people were trying to come from out of town. Um, and uh, so we had to kind of put a stop to it, um, and that's been picked up a little bit. I know the high school and other groups um, have been doing some things with some battles of the bands. We did something in conjunction with Andover Youth Services with that. Um, but those barn, those barn concerts back in the day, um, I went through some of our, our photo albums of those years, and there's some great pictures. Um, I don't think anybody ever made it really big, uh, but I do know a couple of these people um, continue to play these days now, and I, I think one of them is actually even playing this summer on our concerts on the Commons. So uh, thanks for the in input on that, and uh, if you could forward your, um, your maiden name, because I do want to kind of put a face to, to this memory here on that. Um, then I got a, a great memory uh, from Katie Price. Katie Price was part of a great group of kids that just grew up from young kids through middle school, through high school, worked for us, and uh, I got a great uh, got a great email from her. Um, hey, Rick, it's your old friend Katie Price. I listened to your Summer League B-Ball podcast, and it touched me in so many ways. It was so nostalgic for me to listen to, being one of the Drummond kids uh, that ate up so, so, so much of my time uh, between basketball courts and the general store, watching games and being with friends. Especially with everything going on right now, right now, it reminded me of how much simpler life seemed to be back then. There were no cell phones. When we wanted a ride, we found a quarter and used the payphone in front of the Now Youth Center. <laughs> we used to have two payphones, that's right. Those games were packed with teenagers who just wanted to be together and be part of something. It was good, clean, fun, and leave it to the beaver sort of way, which is harder to come by these days with all the distractions and temptation. 
your podcast reminded me of the North Andover's version of the Sandlot. But I also took away from the podcast how much you remember and cared for every single kid to walk into the basketball court, into the youth center. Even after doing this for so many years, you still have a personal story about each and every kid, and I know how much you cared about us and looked out for us. I haven't come around as much in recent years, partly because I was sure you wouldn't really remember me so vividly since you have thousands of Katie Prices going through your doors. But after listening to your podcast and seeing you last year when you remembered so many details about me and my family, I can feel how you develop a real personal connection with each kid you meet, whether they have a great home life or need extra support, etc. Working at the Youth Center at Summer Fun, which should be another podcast, by the way, were some of the most formative years of my life. I look back on the time so fondly and full of memories and friendships. Uh, thank you for all you did for us and to continue for North Andover. We're all so lucky to have you. Um, anyways, this is kind of real, but wanted you to know how much you meant in my life growing up and what an influence you were and are and continue to be so many ways. Uh, Rick Gorman will always hold a special place in my heart. Hey, Katie, thank you very much. Um, obviously, it's, it's great to hear from you. And um, her name now is Katie Ingram, and she's raising her family in Wyndham. And um, she's going to be coming back this summer because we're going to do a 20th year a reunion of the youth center being open and any kid that's ever kind of been involved with us so we hope to see katie and her family on that um we actually got some more memories um 1999 was an interesting year here and it actually there's a picture that demi posted uh, about the tearing down of the old red barn and the start the construction of the youth center um, and uh, that year there was a great picture of Kelly, Chris, and Jess all grown up now, but I'll never remember that, never forget that day when we tore down the Red Barn. Um, they showed up at seven o'clock in the morning. They were pretty emotional that, and that whole group of friends who had lived pretty much at the old youth center were excited about the youth center happening, but there was a part of them that was kind of feeling like, you know, that a part of their life was leaving. Um, I remember they um, they took pieces of the old red bond to keep, and I, I know that Pybus kid actually took the respect the court sign, uh, which used to hang on the basketball court. And then pretty funny, uh, a few years ago, his younger brother brought the sign back. And we actually have the sign on the outside of the youth center where the basketball court is. That respect your court sign is close to 30 years old. Um, that whole memories of what it was like when we were building uh, the building, I talked to Jenna Sideri, Buco, Buco Sideri, uh, a lot about because she was one of the high school kids along with Kristen Breen that actually worked in the trailer that one year. We were actually in the trailer, and we reminisce a lot about all the times in the afternoon we used to talk about just different things, teen issues, and um, it's so great to see how how much wonderful adults they've become on that. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of people chimed in about the transformation of the old youth center to the new youth center. And, and thank you all for just the texts and the quick calls about what that was like for you. Hey, Stephen Crowley wants to show his uh, memory. Uh, Stephen is one, actually, Stephen was our first youth of the year a number of years ago. Uh, he was a longtime summer fun uh, staff member. Um, kids to this day still talk about Stephen Crowley. Um, he actually made things a really, really fun around here. Um, and he's a college graduate now doing some things. And uh, so he sends a memory. Uh, you have you have me some of, 
I met some of my best friends I could have asked for at the U Center. Still is the best place I ever worked, and I am beyond grateful to have been part of the team. Senior year going to Mount Major and getting lunch soaking wet from the rain in the restaurant with you, Asia, Madeline, Michael, Molly, Michaela, Demi, and Josh, saying goodbye before college like the family we all were. Friday night dinner club that I used to have with the people that worked the dances with me. Working at the youth center every day after school truly was a home away from home for me. Also, anything the youth center needs, he's always a text away. We actually had a great story with Stephen Crowley and our newest staff member, Asia Valdez. Um, so d down here at the youth center every year, it's it's always um, a bit stressful and exciting when the senior prom comes. Um, you know, who's going to take who, who's going to ask who. And uh, Stephen Crowley was probably, I would say, best friends with Asia Valdez, our new support services coordinator. Um, and I think she kind of knew he was going to ask uh, her to the prom. Uh, but we staged something really good, both of them working in the afternoon. Uh, Asia was upstairs in the, um, in the lounge working from some kids. And... Um, Stephen was nervous about, you know, asking her to do, so we came up with a plan that I was going to, um, if the kids at the youth center know that I kind of like to drive around with our lift a little bit in the gym. So uh, we put uh, Stephen Crowley on the back of the lift, and we rolled over to where the gym uh, is underneath the lounge, and then we we put the uh, the machine up, and we, we flew up to the second floor, which stunned um Asia and as she turned around uh, he had a poster board saying Asia would you please go to the prom with me at which point she put her thumbs up and all the kids on the second floor thought it was the coolest thing in the world so obviously one of the great memories um, uh, for Stephen so thank you for adding that Stephen um, most people that uh, chimed in um, have great memories about more of the recent years uh, heard a lot of things about what it was like being at the youth center and what Fridays were like and, uh, you know, what we sell at the grandstand. Um, and uh, Kyle, who works for us, you guys all know him as the Beano. Um, he wanted to make sure his memory gets on. Um, let me see what he has to say. Kyle says, one of my fondest memories at the youth center were the walks there on Friday afternoons. It was great seeing so many kids heading to the same place with their friends. Boys would be carrying their girlfriend's backpacks, or if they liked a girl, they would offer to carry their backpack. Nothing was better than being in that herd of middle schoolers at the end of a school week heading to the youth center to have a good time. I think every week I walk with someone different. We would talk about what we would do when we got to the YC, whether it was getting a football to play a game or maybe sure we carved out some space in the gym for a game of hoops. On half days, we always talked about who was going to win the half court contest. It was on these walks and at the youth center where I made such, so many great friends. Former, former town manager Andrew Mailer actually talked eloquently about this about as a town manager when he drives by um, going to the old center any afternoon specifically on a Friday how incredibly warming it is to his heart to see so many kids heading up um, to the youth center to have some fun and uh, I, I I don't think there's a kid that'll listen to this podcast, whether you were here 30 years ago or not, um, that you won't remember those walks up from the middle school. So, Kyle, thanks for uh, chiming in on that. I do know uh, Kyle um, was actually forced to carry um, Zach Corrales and Mike Maroney's backpacks. I do know that. So, um, lots of really good memories about playing on the outside basketball court, which we've spent a lot of time talking about. Uh, the wiffle ball games at the at the youth center, the old youth center. It, it had 
had an interesting wiffle ball field, and we still got it here. A little bit different than the old youth center, but it's still a good time with that. Um, another one I want to share with you, uh, um, basically at the start of this whole uh, pandemic, uh, I went to the Celtics game the first um, Friday night in March uh, to see my boy George's Niang. Um, and who knows the world was going to change a week later. Um, but I ran into uh, Manny Williams, and I hadn't seen Manny Williams probably in 10 years. And, uh, you know, we had a good talk, and, um, you know, we talked a lot about what the youth center actually meant to him. And I, I just received the card uh, when he heard that we were looking for some memories. Um, just a really nice conversation about that it was good to see me and everything but he uh, he remembers scrambling to put together rosters for his black knights team or his summer league team and all the good memories he had that he would never forget um he really said he didn't really appreciate things as much then as he does now and as an adult um he really believes that these were the most exciting times of his life and he, he appreciates all of the staff members at the youth center who helped uh who helped um, you know help him get through obviously adolescence and uh, he sent me a nice picture he's actually a an agent now uh, selling uh, houses and uh, really good to see you Manny and uh, thank you for the memory on that um, so we're gonna kind of wrap up right now um, I hope this showed a little bit of some of maybe the programs that we had back in the day um, I think the biggest feedback I'm getting from these last few podcasts in this very difficult time is that it has been, it's been kind of a chance to, I mean, Mark Tromley sent me an unbelievable email uh, um, after the basketball one and, um, you know, his relationship obviously with Kyle Wentworth and stuff. And, you know, everyone starts off by saying that these podcasts have actually kind of got them away from the, the scary times we are right now and thinking back to, you know, a safer time and maybe an easier time. Um, and I, I'm glad that that's kind of helped a lot of people with that. Um, I do know we were, we are going to get back on track with our podcast to to maybe do um, you know bring in the topics or whatever um, that people are looking for. But I think at this period of time, it's really it's really nice to kind of reflect about some of the wonderful memories we've had. And um, I know this, as I tell you all the time, it's the greatest job I've ever had. Um, it's the only job I've really ever had. And uh, every day I look forward to going to work, and it's because of all of you, all the kids that have come through the doors here, whether it was when we didn't really have a youth center to, to what it is right now. And, you know, it's when you start thinking about these memories that you appreciate things even more. Um, and I just can hardly wait till we get back to a little more sense of normalcy here where we can get these doors open again and and make some new memories um, a lot of the people that chimed in are, are were kids at one point that are now raising their own kids and some of them have their own kids come to the youth center which is so so exciting and uh, so I hope that some of these memories I hope that some of them just kind of maybe took you away from some of the CNN watching or anything else that's going through you right now and we appreciate everybody's input on that. I do want to say that you know we're continuing to work with the public, uh, doing a lot with our social media. I hope you guys are all checking us out on all our platforms. Uh, we are checking in on some kids that we're, we're really concerned about with the youth center not being open, and we're going to continue to do that. 
You can continue to reach all of us by email. We're all connected email. We can get back to you right away. Uh, we have our Zoom staff meetings twice a week, and we talk a lot about how much we want to be back here with you guys. So um, don't be afraid to reach out with us. With social distancing, we, we can't meet with you, but we'd be more than happy to do everything from a phone call to an email conversation to, to a hangout. You know, we can um, actually, with our, with our Google, actually have hangouts, and we've actually been doing that with a lot of our groups here, especially our leadership groups. And... Um, obviously the young staff that um, we have here. So I want to wish everybody the best. I want you all to try to have a, a good weekend. Um, I want you to uh, stay strong, stay healthy, um, and know at the bottom of the hearts we're all here for you and we miss you guys. And um, as we finish every podcast, we always say too much passion is never enough passion.